Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Here you go. Here you go. LeBron v. Curry. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is May 2nd, Tuesday, 2023. Welcome to Nothing Personal. You are on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson live YouTube show every Monday to Friday, 8 to 8.45. A lot of stuff going on in the NBA. I had three things I wanted to mention. Could have started, Coke and I were talking about this. Do we want to start with LeBron v. Curry? Do we want to start with what the Nuggets did to the Suns and picturing Ishbia on his $4 billion and how much he wants to not make money and give the fans what they want and watch his team go down 2 nothing? How about the MVP that's going to be announced with Jokic trying to make history with his third in a row? And every way we looked at it, you got to start with LeBron Curry. Wherever you put LeBron and Curry in your GOAT list, I have LeBron 2 I've got Curry six, seven maybe. Best three-point shooter I've ever seen. But when they play each other in the playoffs, I'm only used to it being the NBA Finals. This is the first time they will meet, and there is not a Larry O'Brien trophy to be won. This is only the second round, the Western Conference semifinals. The winner of this series does get nothing other than to play the winner of the Nuggets-Phoenix series for a chance to play the Eastern Conference champions to win the ring. But what fascinates me is that LeBron and Steph Curry have the same number of rings. And you know I'm a ring guy. I will debate it till I am blue in the face. Whatever show I'm on, rings matter. Any player who says they don't is lying. Any player who says they value MVPs over rings is lying. Any player who says they value team accomplishment during the regular season over a ring is line. Any player who says they value what they did in the playoffs without getting the ring, they're good, they're line. It is all about the ring. Any person who tells you that LeBron and Steph do not know how many rings Kobe has, that's not true. Or Jordan, or Kareem. You don't really talk about Bill Russell, Sam Jones, Tommy Heinsohn. Look at that list. It's mostly Celtics when they got all those championships in a row, what's now over 50 years ago. This is about what I call the modern era of the NBA, call it from 1970 on. I'm still willing to call myself the modern era. I'm making up my own era. LeBron and Steph are stuck at four. They're going for the thumb. 
You remember when people say one for the thumb, that means they're going for their fifth title. Let's look at how they're going to get it. How dependent is each team on that player? Here's the problem. Without Steph Curry, the Warriors are mediocre at best. You saw it in game seven against the Kings when he had to put up a 50 spot. Without LeBron James, the Lakers also have no chance. These are 38 and 35-year-olds. These are not players in their prime. They are playing as though they are in their prime. When LeBron was asked about the series, he said, we're two of the most competitive players that, he meant who, have ever played this game. And we want to etch our names in the history books as much as we can. Hell yeah. I love how honest LeBron was. I love that he's willing to admit to you that he's keeping track. It's not just about the stat geeks or the people on Sports Center or CBS or on Nothing Personal who are playing the compare game or who's the GOAT, who's not the GOAT. You think LeBron doesn't want seven rings? More than anything in the world, he'd give everything up to have more rings than Michael Jordan. Steph Curry, quietly competitive, chewing on his mouth guard. His father, Del Curry, I watched play. Unbelievably great at shooting. His brother, Seth Curry, is unbelievably great at shooting. It is amazing what genetics can do, that's for sure. But the keys to this series will be who plays better, not Steph versus LeBron. Neither one of them can lead their team to four wins in seven games. It's going to be about AD. It's going to be about KT. It's going to be about the supporting cast. That's the funny thing about basketball, about baseball, about football. No matter the superstars, you got the best quarterback in the world. If you don't have defense, you're not winning a Super Bowl. Are there exceptions? Yeah. The Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl with a terrible offense, although his name was Peyton Manning. You can win with great pitching and have no hitting, but you got to score a run, so you have to have something. The NBA, we talk about the big three. Put Bosh, Wade, and James together, you'll get titles. They got two out of four, four straight finals appearances. But when I look at the game today, the way they've changed the rules, the way they don't allow hand-checking at half court, which is when Jordan would pick up his players on defense, people don't remember how good Jordan was defensively. And Curry and LeBron are underrated defensively. That's how you make a complete player. But the rules have changed in a way that the game is about shooting. Who is going to shoot the best four times in seven games? And that, to me, has made it so predicting these games or thinking about who's the better team has just become difficult. And we sit around and debate on all the shows, who's the better team and is this team good or bad? We talked about the Heat-Knicks game one in, uh, during the Levitard show, and all everyone kept saying is the Heat are just a better team. Jimmy Butler's the best player on the court. And I kept saying, when you shoot seven for 34, whatever they shot from three-point range, which is what the Knicks did, you're not going to win. Who's going to have the best shooting day four times? Is that really the sport? That's not the sport I fell in love with. I'm still watching because it fascinates me. But it's not even about skill anymore. It's about who's hot. That sort of depresses me. I don't know if you watched the, uh, the game last night. I watched several games last night. First of all, 
this gets me into the MVP race. LeBron is not a finalist for the MVP. You've got Embiid, you've got Giannis, and you've got Jokic. And they're going to announce it tonight. Jokic is going for his third straight MVP, which is unbelievable. He'd be he'd be in the category with, I think, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird. And people are saying he's not going to win. His coach came out and said, I'm still going to love you. You're still my MVP if you don't win. Jokic came out and said, I don't care. I'll be in my swimming pool. Doesn't matter. I want the ring. Malone said they want the ring. The Nuggets have never won a championship. Is it cool to win three in a row? For sure. But they want to get to the finals and win a title. And the way Jokic played last night in beating the Suns, I don't know who's better than them in the Western Conference. I'm not sure anybody's better than them in the Eastern Conference. They're a team that had some ups and downs this season where they would fall asleep for periods of time, which is pretty normal when you don't have Jordan on your team. When you're that good during the regular season, the regular season means squat, you're going to have moments where you're just sort of mailing it in. But these are not those moments. We are now in the second round of the playoffs, and Jokic is playing the way an MVP should play. Not to say that Embiid is not a candidate, but he didn't play for the Sixers, and the Sixers beat the Celtics in Boston. I am of the belief that even for a game, if your team can win without you, especially on the road in a playoff series, then you're not the MVP. And I'm going to get rolled eyes. I'm going to get ats at David P. Sampson. You can't look at one game like that. Harden scored 45. Look at what was going on in that game. That's not really relevant to me. Embiid was in clothes with a sprained knee. Regular clothes, cool clothes, not James Harden clothes. Do we have a picture of the James Harden outfit, Coca? Did you see what he wore to the game? I'm not into clothes shaming. I'm the blazer guy, but sometimes I'll wear interesting clothes. I found that to be pretty awesome, and I think he coordinated with the Met Gala, which has somehow become a costume party over the years, but I digress. This were an example where if we were in studio, which we will be in Metalark studio, hopefully by the end of the summer, although I'm in a Metalark studio now, but Coke and I are not together, We'd have pictures coming up over my left shoulder or right shoulder of some of these Met Gala outfits of Harden. Oh, my God, do you have it? Oh, he met- yes, he does. If you're live, you're seeing it. It's the most bizarre outfit. It is some sort of velour, maybe, or jeans. If I'm trying to describe it, but just go Google it. If you're listening to this show, you have the ability to both listen and Google. If you're watching, you see it. That was a statement outfit. He gets 45 points. The Sixers beat the Celtics. You can't be the MVP if that's the case. I'm sorry. The MVP is needed. Jokic is playing. Everybody on Denver has a mediocre game. Murray can't shoot. Porter's fine. Jokic is unstoppable. He shoots threes. He shoots twos. Floaters. He passes. He rebounds. He is a unicorn given his size. He looks like this is a callback to the Vancouver Grizzlies. Do you remember a player named? His last name was Reeves. I'm not even thinking about Paul McKeskey. I'm not thinking about like a Will Purdue. I'm thinking about a last name Reeves. Bryant Reeves, was that his name from the Grizzlies? That's sort of the size of Jokic. And Jokic moves around like magic. Johnson. He's the MVP for me. But again, 
will they give it to Embiid for the season that the Sixers had? Because it's only voted on after the regular season. People have a very big misconception on MVP in all the sports. The votes are in. Playoffs do not matter. If you are eliminated in the first round the way Giannis was or get hurt, doesn't matter. It doesn't impact the votes for MVP. The votes are completed before the postseason starts. So we know this. Do they want Jokic, the writers, to be in the same company as Chamberlain and Bird? They don't, but they should. Jokic is not going to win the MVP because they don't want to give him three in a row because then it puts him in a place, by comparison, where the goats live. And they're not ready to do it because he's ringless. Would they give him three out of four if they win the title this year and he has another great season next year? That's fine. That's a different category, but not three in a row. That's the disappointing part. It should not matter. Every season should be in a vacuum. It's the same thing of Otani and Judge. It's okay to give it to Otani every year if he has the year he's having. Look at the player. Look at the results. So Jokic and the Nuggets beat the Suns, and all I kept picturing, we didn't even talk about this pre-show. I digress. But when an owner watches a playoff game, Here's what they're thinking. They want the feeling they have never to end. When you're down 2 nothing in a playoff series, let me go back. Ready? 4-8-69. When a playoff series is first starting, no matter what the odds are, you don't pay attention. You know whether or not you're an underdog or a favorite. You know that each game and you know that for the series. But when it's 0-0 and you're on the road, the mentality is just get me one game of the next two. That's it. That's all I want. You go through game one and you win game one the way the Heat just did with the Knicks, let's say. Once you get the one game, you say to yourself, let's get greedy and let's get both. And if you don't play well in game two and it gets away from you, you tell your coach, rest our guys. We're off for a couple days. We got what we came for and that's what we say publicly. We came here for a split and we got the split. But after a game one win on the road, you want to be greedy. If you lose game one at home, you are despondent that you worked for home field court advantage, home field advantage. You gave it up after a game. The focus is, you know you've got to get one of two on the road in games three or four, but you've got to win game two first. Because if you lose game two and you're the Knicks tonight, the series is over. You're not going to win five out of seven when you've already lost two at home. Uh, you're not going to win four out of five when you've lost the first two at home. Done. Are there exceptions? Maybe once in a blue moon, but boy, the moon would have to be blue. So the Knicks are saying, all right, let's salvage the game and then get to Miami and go for the split, which is what they just did to us. If you're the Heat, you're saying get greedy, and if you don't win, you're fine. A new owner who has never been through this before gets told by his GM how to feel, what to think. Coach Monty Williams is saying to Ishbia and Phoenix, hey, man, we got this. Thanks for Durant, but we're going to get one of two in Denver, and then we're off. Everything's going to be great. Don't you worry. And what I really love is that after game one, the owner says the same thing. We're good. Let's just get that split. Then they play last night, and they realize they're against a better team, and they lose 97-87. So then they got to go back to Phoenix, down to nothing. But what they say then is, as a new owner, don't worry. Pat Riley taught me that a series doesn't start until somebody wins on the road. 
So we're good. We just have to hold serve. It's like not breaking serve in a tennis match. Just hold serve and we'll try to break it the next time. We have four chances to break. Games one, game two, game five, game seven. No panic. That's what the team is saying. The new owner, Ishbia, with his $4 billion investment and going all in on Durant and looking at the max money they're paying to Aiton, which is a total overpay, looking at how great Booker is. He's looking at his team and saying, damn, I can't believe we're losing. I expected us to crush this Nuggets team. And then he calls up his coach and he's like, Monty, what do we got here? I'm evaluating you. Monty says, what are you doing? Don't panic. We're good. When a coach has to tell an owner to relax, which is so often, it always made me laugh. Our managers had to do that to our owner a lot. Like, we got this. Like, don't be such a fan. We've got this. It's fine. We're not losing control of the ship. But then you'd go speak to the manager when the owner wasn't around, and the manager would say, man, we got a problem. Jack McKean used to say, how do you expect me to win the Kentucky Derby with a bunch of donkeys? You're giving me donkeys. <laughs> I don't think that the Phoenix Suns are donkeys. I just think the Nuggets are way better than them. So we're going to see what happens here. Coco wants me to point out, thank you. God, I, I got that. You are right. We should teach people that. The new collective bargain agreement, may I remind you, next year's MVP race will be a little different. The excitement we have for tonight, don't forget, they changed the rules in the collective bargaining agreement. You have to play 65 games to be eligible to be an MVP. This year, Giannis only played 63. Guess what? Not eligible. Embiid played 66, eligible. Jokic, 69. Nice, eligible. Giannis, not so much. I admit to you often when I am wrong about things, and man, you you know, as fans of this show, we are in regular show number 807. I'm wrong about a hell of a lot. I'll give you my opinions, but when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I have been very hard on Bryce Harper. Very hard. I couldn't stand him when we played against him. I know that he was a absolute nightmare in the clubhouse when he was on the Nationals. I know that his agent is Boras. And there was just something, it wasn't personal, it was competitive. I don't know him well enough. I've said hello to him, but don't know him well enough. I'm talking about as a player, as a professional. I thought what Philly did was an overpay when they signed him to that $300 million contract when John Middleton said, I'm gonna spend stupid money. Bryce Harper helped lead his team to winning the pennant last year. Bryce Harper needed Tommy John surgery. And let me say right now, for all the world to hear, I was wrong about Bryce Harper as a player. I was wrong about him as a leader, as a winner. No comment on him as a man or a father, don't know. The only thing I know is that when you've had Tommy John 160 days ago and you're DHing tonight for the Philadelphia Phillies, you are superhuman. I have great respect for someone who was the wonder kid like the damn coach on Ted Lasso. It is very difficult to live up to that. LeBron had to do it. The number of players who are the chosen one who end up not having careers far outstretches the number of players who are the chosen ones who end up making it and succeeding and not burning out. Bryce Harper has been in the consciousness of baseball fans and media for decades. The guy gets Tommy John, works his tuchus off, 
and comes back in record time. I touched on it yesterday a little bit, the fact that when you tear your ACL, it used to be the end of the world in your knee. Tommy John used to be dicey, you gonna come back. Meanwhile, Bryce Harper's back, but he can't play the outfield. So what the Philadelphia Phillies have basically done is signed a $300 million designated hitter who has a chance to play first base, though he's actually played there for one career out. I'm not worried about his ability to play first base. They need a first baseman. I'm not worried about his ability to hit. They need a DH. I'm worried about the fact that you've got a player for the next multiple years who really may not have a position. And the problem I had with universal DH was exactly this. When you are a team that can spend stupid money, you can spend $30 million on your DH and have it not crush you. When you are a team like 15 or 20 of the teams in baseball, you cannot have a $30 million DH. You can't allocate that percentage. Think about that. There's four things. There's hitting, there's fielding, there's pitching. What's the fourth? Why did I say there's four things? Hitting, pitching, fielding. I guess that's three. Otani hits, pitches, but doesn't field. People who play the field, like Goldschmidt and Arenado, they field and hit. That's two things. I think the minimum you can expect is two things. If you're just a DH, that's one thing. Although if you're just a pitcher, that's one thing too, and there's great value in that, though you only play every five days, which also used to drive me crazy in terms of the amount of money per start. Let me get this thought together. Ready? Everybody breathe. Everybody breathe. I'm just jealous. I'm jealous that the Phillies can have Bryce Harper DH. I'm jealous thinking about what we did and who we had DH or who we would have DH or what we had to do to find pinch hitters, how much money we could allocate to our bench, all of those things. And it's bothersome to the game. It's bothersome to me. It's bothersome to the parody that the Phillies are going to have to deal with Bryce Harper, happily so. That said, I don't want to undersell or undercompliment what he did to get ready. He gave an interview, I think it was in an article that Matt Gelb wrote. He talked about the Phillies, he was talking about Harper, he was talking about Kyle Schwarber, talking about the Phillies in general, who find themselves behind the Marlins as we start May. And what interested me about what Harper said is that he is going to play the game the way he plays the game, but he is going to try to be careful. Personally, I think the Tommy John issue and him coming back when you go to get your clearance from the doctor, what the team needs in order to take you off the injured list is we need to speak to the doctor, not the player speak to the doctor. We need to speak to the doctor and the doctor needs to say that the likelihood of being, of him getting injured tomorrow is the same as it was before he was hurt. I need to hear those words if I'm bringing back a player. If I hear the words, hey, because of his injury, there's a chance that he's gonna compensate and therefore you're risking some sort of other tissue damage or you're risking a shoulder with an elbow, et cetera. Harper's doctors have said that he can play his game, but he can't throw. How do you put a guy at first base if he can't throw? What happens on a pickoff if it gets away from him? He's got to go into the corner and then throw home because the guy's trying to score. Can he make that throw? 
or do you have to have the second baseman run over and get the ball? What about when you're the cutoff man on a shot down the line to right field and you've got someone scoring from first? You've got to get the throw to the plate. Are you counting on the second baseman to get over there and make that throw? If I've got a player who cannot throw, we had it with Ozuna. The guy couldn't throw. We put him in left field and we dealt with it because he could catch. And what we did is we moved all of our fielders, all of our infielders, third base and shortstop, when they were the cutoff people, we had them go 20 feet deeper into the outfield in order to get the cutoffs from Ozuna when he was playing left. What are you going to do? Ask the outfielders to have Harper play by the pitcher's mound? Make the throw shorter? That, you can't do that. This, the last throw to get the batter out is the one that gets the batter out. You need someone with an arm. That means to me that you're going to have Bryce Harper DHing predominantly, which is going to help Philly. But that allocation, man, that is my problem. But the takeaway is Bryce Harper, congratulations on coming back. You are making it possible now when we send a player to Tommy John, especially position player, there's a chance that we can say, hey, are you Harper? Are you working as hard as he did? Because I believe that what Harper did to come back, it's not what he ate. It's not his private chef. It's not the fact that he's this great sort of healer. There is nothing that replaces work. When you work during your rehab, and I mean every part of your body, you give yourself the best chance to come back, and Harper did it. We'll watch him play tonight. It's going to be quite something. All right. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. When it does, great. When it doesn't, great. We will revisit it. I want to give you a wait to see. I'm going to do a callback to the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets with their 2-0 lead are going to beat the Phoenix Suns. That's not the wait to see. They're going to beat the winner of the Warriors and Lakers matchup. That's the wait to see. The Denver Nuggets will represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. That's an official wait to see. We'll revisit that within two weeks, I'm sure. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to review a movie and talk about something that's going on that started last night that makes me very, very despondent. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca at David P. Sampson on Twitter. Follow me, Instagram. Coca does videos on TikTok, the nothingpersonal.mpds TikTok channel. We're here every day, Monday through Friday. Nothing Personal with David Sampson, YouTube. Hit subscribe. Thank you. Still watch a movie every day. And I got to make sure that I download a lot of movies. The writers went on strike yesterday, just so you know. That means that all the late night talk shows, they are, can't be on the air. There's no writers. I don't know if you thought, maybe from watching Mrs. Maisel, you know, that it's not just Jimmy Fallon who writes the monologues. There's an entire writing room. They're on strike. I get it. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm pro-management and anti-union. I understand why unions are there. I understand what they're looking for. I understand they're looking for money. That's what this is about. It's not about where they are in the credits. It's not about where they are in the hierarchy of who gets accomplished and who gets noticed, who gets complimented. This is about residuals. This is about money, period. And in the meantime, we get stuck with reruns, whether it's Jimmy Kimmel or Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon, The Daily Show. Seth Meyers, it's all reruns. Not because those guys don't want to work because they're not going to cross the picket line. Now, you could, you could cross the picket line and you could bring in a bunch of writers who are not repped by the union. You could have a non-union show. I don't think every late night talk show is unionized. You'd have to check them all. I don't think they are. I think there's a chance the one on Bravo is not, but I'm not positive. But when there's a writer's strike, that means that movies are not being written, TV shows are not being written, daily shows are not being written, and you'll see the impact of the night shows now, and you'll see the impact in the delay, not because of what's going on with Kevin Costner and Taylor Sheridan, but when new seasons don't happen of your favorite show or they're delayed, it's because of this right now. God, I hope that writer's union strike ends soon. Meanwhile, there's plenty of content for me to watch. I went online yesterday and I saw that Kira Sedgwick, my daughter's name is Kira, K-Y-R-A, love that name. The other Kira that I knew at that time was Kira Sedgwick, who I was first introduced to, not personally, in a movie called Singles, which was a Cameron Crowe movie. Well, Kira Sedgwick then married Kevin Bacon and they've had this long, successful Hollywood marriage and she is directing him in a new movie called Space Oddity. For music fans out there, this is ground control to Major Tom. You've really, and I'm floating in that space oddity. That's David Bowie. This is a movie about a kid. And in the beginning, you don't think that it's a mental health issue. You think that this guy's going to Mars. Query, 
is there really some sort of mission to Mars that's not with Matt Damon? Is it possible that something is going on here that we can't figure out? Or is it possible that there is some level of delusion that is all kept up in the air until you make the decision? See if you understand the pun on that. Anybody? Not up in the air as in George Clooney, but the air up there? No, Kevin Bacon? Coca, the air up there? Have you ever heard of that movie? Kevin Bacon, the scout, basketball player, air up there, tall guy. We were just talking about this before the show started, that there's no secrets. You can't hide a player anymore. In the old days, you could go scout places and say, if you work the hardest, you'll find a guy. That's what the scout was about with Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser, the Academy Award-winning guy who was in that movie. Anyway, what were we even talking about? Space oddity. So Kira Sedgwick directs Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is there because it's his wife. She's directing the movie. His role is as the father of this boy who's trying to go to Mars. Kevin Bacon, it's a maudlin part. It's a sort of generic part. Hey, I want my son to be a farmer with me. I don't want him to have these delusions of grandeur. The movie got me though. It did. Maybe because of my love of Kira Sedgwick. Maybe because I have new ammunition in the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game because of the people in this movie with Kevin Bacon. Or maybe it's because the movie was decent. I'm gonna put it decent on it. I checked my phone two or three times, but I'm not sorry that I saw it. It's called Space Oddity, directed by Kira Sedgwick. All right, here I go. How can I do this? All right, I'm gonna put my glasses on. My name is David Sampson. We just had a great show. Boom, boom. I just ripped my glasses off and shoved them in my pocket. Do you like that? Did that offend you? Are we good? That's gonna be my thing. That's gonna be my celebration. Rip off the Walgreens 1.5ers, put them in the left breast pocket, assuming it's not sewn shut, and move along. All these baseball teams have these home run celebrations now. The Washington Nationals, the last place team, they stink. They have a celebration with the, the Jefferson wig or the George Washington wig, although it sort of actually looks like a different wig. It looks like the wig of uh, the people who are in front of the judges in the UK. But anyway, you've got the home run cap that the Braves aren't allowed to use anymore. You have the home run chain or all this other stuff. I'm good, but let's talk about Trevor Bauer and what he does. Trevor Bauer is playing in Japan. I thought we wouldn't give this guy another moment of oxygen, but here we are. When I saw Trevor Bauer pitch and I watched his first start, after he strikes out a guy or ends the inning, whatever he does on a strikeout, he like throws his sword back in his holster. So he picks up a sword and then shoves it down. If you're not watching this, then you don't know what I did. I'd like to stand up and sort of show you. He grabs the sword, puts it down, and then goes off the field. And I'm watching that and I'm thinking, that feels a lot like cultural appropriation to me. He's playing in Japan and he seems to be imitating what Japanese people do, either in movies, TV, maybe in real life. And I didn't think anything of it. I don't think that we did a segment on it. And I just said, he's an idiot. It tracks. Talk about tone deaf. Talk about no feel. What are you doing? But I didn't care. I just, he's Trevor Bauer. 
Yesterday, a video plays. He releases because he's all about his YouTube and social media, which I don't blame him for because so am I. And he says, please come join me with my celebration post-strike out of shoving the sword in the holster, blah, blah, blah. And then something happened that I don't think I've ever seen. One of Trevor Bauer's teammates, who's Japanese, commented on this and discussed how disrespectful it is, how he wishes that Trevor Bauer would find another way to celebrate his strikeouts. I don't know if you realize from if you've not been around Japanese players or understand the Japanese culture. Go watch Rising Sun with Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. And I don't mean that as a stereotype. I mean that when you spend time with Ichiro, you understand the concept of respect. Ichiro, for me, is the man I've met who shows the most respect and commands the most respect of anybody I've ever met, on or off the field. Very thoughtful about what he says, very thoughtful about his actions. When you go do business in Japan, there is a way that you know whether you bow, how far down you bow, do you let the person you're bowing with get lower than you? How do you present your business card? Do you bring gifts? Yes. You present your business card with two hands, with a bow, yes. You do not shake hands. There are certain things that you do that you learn and you show respect for where you are. You don't bring a plate of pork inside a temple. These are normal things that people should understand. When you are imitating what Japanese people do and you have a Japanese player who says something about it, when Japanese players are so respectful that for them to say anything, it has to be so egregious as to merit a comment. I didn't think that there'd be something like that. Trevor Bauer has to live with those teammates and they've had this feeling since the first time he did it. But Trevor Bauer went over the line so badly with the video and all of his antics and all of his crap that finally a teammate stood up, not without having consulted his other teammates, by the way, stood up and talked about publicly what the problem was. This is a problem. When you're said to be respectful, that there are better ways to go about something, Trevor Bauer has a choice right now. Trevor Bauer can either be Trevor Bauer, which is ignore and continue, or he can acknowledge where he is, acknowledge that it's time to be a grown-up and not do it anymore. What do you think Trevor Bauer is going to do? If I'm the Japanese team, it's a pretty simple equation. Release. See you later. You want to rehab your career? You want to double dip the way you were double dipping by collecting from the Dodgers and collecting from us, and you want to be this disrespectful? Screw you. We're not going to let you do it. Not on our watch. Not on our dime. Will this Japanese team do it? Wait to see. I wish they would. Nothing personal pick of the day. How did the Suns do splitting in Denver? I think we won that. We had the Suns plus four and a half. The Suns even the series at one, going back to Phoenix, tied at one. Matt Ishby is so happy. They got the split they were looking for. Hell yeah, that's a winning pick of the day.
Corey Kluber can't win a game for the Red Sox. Berrios has had three good starts in a row, and the Blue Jays beat the Red Sox on a walk-off by Verdugo. Hell yeah! It's a great pick of the day. We are 66-63, and 63, having gone 0-2. All right, what do we got tonight? I have the Cardinals winning the Central. The Cardinals are in last place. The Pirates are winning the Central right now. The Pirates are playing the Rays. The Cardinals are playing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The standings in the NL Central will not be the standings in September that they are in August. The Cardinals are not going to finish in last place. The Pirates are not going to finish in first place. And the Cardinals got to start winning because if I'm in that clubhouse and I'm Bill DeWitt, I'm the president of the Cardinals, it's not early anymore. We're in the late part of early or the mid part of mid. The early part, strike that, 4, 6, 69. We're either in the latest part of early or the earliest part of middle. As an executive, when we're in first place, I would say we're in the late part of early. I don't want to get cocky. When we're in last place, I'm going to say we're in the early part of middle because we got to wake up because we cannot have another month in May like we had in April. And there's no better time to wake up if you are the Cardinals than against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Steve Matz has been mediocre, though the Mets could use him. God knows the Mets could use him. Steve Matz is minus 130 against the Angels for the Cardinals. And I'm saying even without Yachty, the Cardinals are going to wake up. Wake up! Cardinals over the Angels. What about game two of the Knicks heat? That'll be something. Boy, is it ever something. The Knicks have to win. We talked about it when the show started. The Heat have a give me. The Heat may be without Jimmy Butler. I'm going for the jugular. If Jimmy Butler can play, you're off until Friday now or Saturday. I think the Heat and Knicks are off until Saturday. They have three full days off. Jimmy, suit him up. Lace him up. Let's try to get another one. Don't be satisfied with game one. If you're the Knicks, you've got Randall out. You've got Brunson questionable. It's a total nightmare. It's a very simple locker room for Tibbs. My name is Mr. Tibbs. God, I think I mixed that metaphor. This is Mr. Tibbs. Nope, don't think that's right. That doesn't sound right. I'm trying to imitate Sidney Poitier. What is that movie, Coca? My name, I just watched this. God, do you have it in your head by any chance, Matt? Hello, are you still there? Are you there? God, it's me, David. All right, moving on. You're in that Nick locker room. I want to win this game by 30 points. If we shoot the same seven for 79, we're going to lose. But I'm taking the Knicks six and a half over the heat. Those are the picks. All right, we got the Florida Panthers having moved on. And the big news out of Florida that is making news around the country. It's on all the talk shows. It's on the news. It's crazy. The Florida Panthers are not allowing people outside of the U.S. to buy tickets to their stadium. They want Sunrise Arena to be full of Panthers fans. They don't want Torontonians to come south. Ironically, it's so many Canadians who are in South Florida. If you're from South Florida, you know what I'm talking about. Could you drive faster, please? Can you pretend you've got somewhere to be? You don't even have to signal, but just do something. I'm exasperated with the Quebecois license plates. J'aime beaucoup de Montréal, mais s'il vous plaît, il faut que tu conduis. Drive! I was given the offer so many times to not allow Mets fans, not allow Cubs fans, 
not allow Dodger fans. We want just Marlins fans. You had the Marlins who actually marketed last year where they said, hey, Mets fans, come cheer on the Marlins because we're playing the Braves. I like that. It's good marketing. My view is I want as many people in the ballpark as possible. Playoff games are going to sell out. They're going to sell out. They're going to sell out. If I want them all to be Panther fans, I want them to be Panther fans. But there's no way I'm going to take a PR hit the way the Panthers have by saying that we are not allowing anyone outside of the U.S. to buy our tickets because here's the irony. They don't control the secondary market. It's actually cheaper for Leafs fans to buy tickets on the secondary market, come to Florida for the game, than it is for them to go see the game in Toronto. And by making the statement that you're making, you're not having the desired impact that you want. So if you're going to do something on the PR side, where you have, there's a calculation you make. If there's a chance that you are going to get bad PR, the benefit of the bad PR better be measurable. You better be able to recognize this is the amount of money we're making by getting this slap. We're risking it, but it's worth it. This is the whole juice squeeze. What exactly is the benefit for the Panthers? The ticket prices are set. Revenue gets shared with National Hockey League, much like it does in baseball. Baseball ticket prices are set with the league. Did you know that we don't set our own playoff ticket prices? We suggest to the league what we want, and the league has to approve what the ticket prices are. Why? Because money for playoffs is split with players, umpires, home teams, all teams. So I can't figure out what was in their mind to allow this announcement. Did they think there'd be like in college an entire section? Just Panther fans and they'd put all the Toronto fans in one area, like in the end zone? It makes no sense to me. You're talking about a Panthers team that has never won a cup, that needed this win over the Bruins for their franchise in a way that no other team needed. There's never been a team that needed to win a playoff series worse than the Panthers did against the Bruins. Wait, I have a thought. There may be one other team. One other team and that's it. The Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs hadn't won a damn series in 19 years. 19 years. That means kids were born, they went to college, or university as they call them, in the Great White North, and they didn't see a playoff series win from one of the greatest franchises in the history of hockey. It's sort of like all the fans in Canada, Montreal. God, I wanted to get that smoother. Four, six, nine. It's sort of like all the fans in Montreal. People may not remember. Montreal Canadiens were the most successful hockey team of all time. One of the most successful franchises in all sports. When you lose a generation the way the Leafs have, the way the Panthers have, the way the Marlins did under me. My son was born in 03 in diapers, still drooling with a thing in his belly button when the Marlins won the World Series. He went off to college. By that time I was canned, but when he went to college, nothing. A whole generation missed because of my failure. I'm sorry. To those people out there who were born in 03, I'm sorry. Same thing going on with the Panthers. Same thing going on with the Maple Leafs. Why do this? Especially against the Maple Leafs. When you know what the math is, you know what the economics are, you know how easy it is for the Toronto people to come to Florida. 
just let it happen. There were a bunch of Bruins fans at Sunrise Arena, wherever the name of the arena is that they play. Is it called the Bank United Center? Has Michael Yormark changed the name of that center again in the last five days? I can't remember. It goes through so many names. But in any case, what is the purpose? None. Florida Panthers should be ashamed just because they had no feel on the PR. Revel in this. I'd rather have a release saying, welcome all people from Toronto. Welcome to our arena while we beat you and you will go another 19 years. That would be cooler. And it's not as though there was a financial benefit. They can't even say, hey, it's just business. Sorry, Toronto fans. It's nothing personal. 